Hey there, Awesome Cracked fan. Did you know there is even more of our website than you realized? We have a new Stitcher Premium podcast called Cracked Mailbag, where we answer your questions that you send in. It's hosted by Daniel O'Brien and Cody Johnston, along with all your favorite Cracked people answering your questions every week. You can submit questions with the hashtag Cracked Mailbag or send them straight to our Twitter account, at Cracked. And all you need to hear it is a subscription to our site. Go to crack.com slash subscribe to get the Cracked Premium experience, including this podcast. You can also go to stitcherpremium.com slash cracked and use code cracked for a free month of Stitcher Premium. Either way, there is so much more Cracked for you to hear. Hey, podcast fans, Earwolf is the new home for the cult radio favorite, Dr. Game Show. It's hosted by one of my favorite comedians in New York, Joe Firestone, along with Manolo Moreno. They play listener-created games with comedian guests and listener call-ins. First episode, they play Animal Afterlife, where players attempt to channel the spirit of a deceased newsworthy animal and share their message to humanity. Spooky October! Hey! Guests include Chris Gethard, Sashir Zamata, Tom Sharpling, and Aparna Nancherla. If you want to be on the show, submit your game show ideas at drgameshow.com, and you can check out new episodes of Dr. Game Show every Wednesday, wherever you listen to podcasts like Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or Earwolf.com. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of The Cracked Podcast. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I'm also known as Schmitty the Clam, and I am also, also, anti-murder. I don't like murder. Yeah. Oh, you know, most episodes I come off as a very pro-murder fella. However, let me be very clear this week. Murder is bad. Do not do it, even if it's super tempting, because the chances of law enforcement catching you is a coin flip. Still don't do it. Don't murder people. What do I mean by the coin flip thing? Well, in 2015, NPR reported that the national homicide clearance rate fell to 64.1%. And clearance, here's what clearance is. It's when law enforcement arrests someone or decides that the most likely suspect is not arrestable for a reason such as being dead now. Clearance does not necessarily mean actually catching the murder. It means a step toward catching a murderer, which happens less than two-thirds of the time. I also cross-checked that national report by looking at California stats because I live in California and am selfish. The Sacramento Bee found that from 2003 to 2012, California police cleared 56% of murder cases, and that clearance rate drops below 50% in San Francisco County and in Los Angeles County. The world is cartoonishly full of unsolved murders, and if there's one fun thing that we can pull out of that, that we can draw out of that... It's the topic of this week's episode, which is ghosts. On this week's episode, we are talking about why people believe in ghosts. Three big reasons for that specifically. Number one, what we were just talking about. The world is full of murders, and murders are good for ghost narratives. Reason number two, ghosts are big business. There is money in them, whether you're a hotel or tour or ghost hunter or London and number three, the biggest reason of all, your mind and body are constructed to believe in ghosts. You are a wet, squishy bag of ready-to-think ghosts are real. Today we're going to get into why your squishy bits, from your brain to your skin to your eyeballs, are primed from birth to turn sensory input into spooktacular beliefs 
in ghosts. And we've got the perfect guest for having fun with the ghostliness of our world, because if there is a spookiest comedian working today, it is our guest today, Dana Gould. Obviously, he's a lot more than spooky. You know him from his own podcast, The Dana Gould Hour. You know him from guesting on this show in May to talk about the many places you know his work on The Simpsons, on Parks and Rec, on The Ben Stiller Show, in the video game Gex. And today, we're turning to him for his love of horror and his freaky ability to make nightmares funny. This is a wide-ranging episode, a science-y episode, and a fun one. We've got one of the funniest people in the world on the show, and you ought to hear him. So please sit back or sit pointed toward the northeast corner of your home, which according to Japanese tradition is the most haunted part. Yeah, that's for real. Anyhow, enjoy this podcast slash seance with the oral spirit of Dana Gould. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. We are very happy to be joined in the studio by Dana Gould. Dana, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, and uh, congratulations on many things going on at once right now. Your album, Mr. Funny Man, is out mm-hmm. now, and uh, I believe this will come out before the season two premiere of Stand Against Evil on IFC. Oh, yeah, that, that's coming out, and uh, season one is on Hulu right now, so we've got all three things. Yeah, and uh, and we've had you on- I like bef- to stay busy. <laughs> and you are. Because if I'm not busy, I might have time to feel. this year that's a good strategy yeah Yeah, i'm just like (laughs) comfortably numb pink floyd said it best i hate to harken back to an album from my childhood (laughs) i'm just saying i'm a little bit surprised there's not already like uh there's always self-help books i'm not surprised there's a 2017 one that's just been like don't think about it like just like red text on the cover like there's such heightened anxiety yeah. That when this era ends, <laughs> there will be a weird hangover. The 70s were called the sad 70s, the first half of the 70s, because it was just the hangover of the, the, the 50s. Oh, of Nixon? The, yeah, oh. the Cold War in the 50s had that weird hangover that that turned into the explosion of the late 60s. And then after all of that, there was just this counterculture, Cold War, Nixon, it all just Oh, Viet- were just, Vietnam ending. And, yeah, and, yeah. That, and that led to disco. That's We got disco out of all of that. <laughs> just like, no, forget it. Yeah, well, great. The 2021 Grammys will yeah, be some be, horrible be, music I don't even know about it's yet. It's true. There's yeah. going to be a big cultural hangover <laughs> coming up. <laughs> We've had you on this show before to talk about The Simpsons and Parks I and Rec. I think so, and probably, all the, all yeah. Race, right? Oh, okay. I, I remember. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my, my storied career. <laughs> yeah, truly. I... Want to do an episode about ghosts in yeah. general because everyone is, it's October and everyone's obsessed with them year round, not just for Halloween. Exactly. And uh, this is my, this is my area for so many reasons. But one of them is that your album has my favorite Manson material that <laughs> I think maybe I've heard. And you, uh, you deal with murder very well as a comedian. I'm very impressed by it. <laughs> that might be the best quote I've ever heard. But <laughs> what, what's really great is my album label, uh, the record label I'm on, and it's called an album. It's not. It's a download, but releasing yeah. an album sounds so much better than dropping a download. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Feel, dropping a download feels sounds like, somehow. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's like the woman that I see, my adult female social companion, 
I don't want to call her my girlfriend because she's not a girl. You know, she's she's a grown woman. Right. She's, but yeah. woman friend sounds like somebody grandpa has to bring to Thanksgiving with him in case the machinery breaks down. <laughs> you know? Grandpa's going to bring his woman friend in case he has a seizure again. <laughs> my record label is called Kill Rock Stars, and I was looking on the Billboard charts this morning where I was number three. I was very happy. Hey. Uh, but, like, the, the labels are like comedy and then just kill Dana Gould. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> they just cut it, it off. It just says kill Dana Gould. <laughs> I am a big fan of uh, dark humor. That's the stuff that I find funny. It's to the point that I don't even realize it's dark to me. It's just like, it's really funny. Yeah. And people go, oh, it's really dark. Like, oh, I guess. <laughs> I guess it's dark to you. I think it's hilarious. And there's one, people can't hear this on the album, but I, you, I, you probably don't remember. You, you wouldn't remember me from it. I saw you at a show at the Laugh Factory years back, and you did – an extended chunk about the Black Dahlia yes. where you walked on the tables of <laughs> yeah, the audience yeah, yeah. in the room. Yeah. I don't know if people know how comedy clubs are laid out, but it's a lot of people sitting at tables, yeah. like a restaurant sort of. And you were just walking from table to table to table and then got Describing to Describing the, this horribly grisly crime. Right, which is where a woman's cut in half in old Hollywood. Yeah. It's uh, ghastly. And then you get back to the stage to do a final punch, which I don't remember exactly what it was, but I think it was that the cops never solved it or something well, like the that. Cops, well, yeah, it's, I, I, go through yeah this it very, I go through this very graphic description of her mutilated, bisected body, yeah. and then I say, and 60 years later, the police still don't know what she said to deserve that. And that was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a terrible right. line, but it's just so shocking to people. My manager called me up one day and said, uh, hey, uh, so-and-so, an actor, a movie actor, fairly well-known movie actor, wants to have lunch with you. And I go, I don't know him. I go, I, I know, but they want to have lunch with you. I was like, okay. And so I went and met him. This great guy, really. T- I'm just keeping it anonymous in case he wouldn't want the story told. Because right. then he just comes and he sits down and he goes, how do you do that Black Dahlia bit? How do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> it was John Cho. I should just say something. Oh, man. <laughs> He's a great guy and a comedy fan. I thought it was really funny. On Class Clown, George Carlin says, the best laughter is when you're kneeling in front of the casket. It's true. It's that suppressed oh. laughter at stuff you're not supposed to laugh at. That's the best kind of laughter I find. Yeah. No, it's totally there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and as far as ghosts go, I feel like there are a couple of reasons that they are surprisingly popular the world over with mm-hmm. everyone. But I think one of them is that because ghost stories, they have such a justice narrative to them a lot of the time. Like so often yep. it's a murder that shouldn't have happened or was too brutal. That's good. And unfortunately, the world is like full of unsolved murders in a way people <laughs> yeah. don't think about or realize most of the time. Yes, that's true. And and the other thing about ghosts is ghosts like UFOs and Bigfoot to a degree, like they haven't yet proven that they're not true. Yeah. Uh, like zombies, people forget, aren't real. And there will be a strange thing where you talk about the, the conventional zombies, not real zombies in Haiti, um, that are a result oh, right, of an drugs. actual cultural. Yeah, uh, it's a result of drugs. Yeah. You know, in terms of when you die – do you become a zombie or a ghost? Do you have to pick? Is, are you assigned? Or an angel? Yeah. You could be one of three things. And it really <laughs> depends on, or if a zombie gets killed, does it have a ghost? There's a lot of questions that there are, remain unanswered. I haven't even thought of that. Yeah, yeah no, there's a, there's a lot of tricks. But I think that the idea of a ghost, if you keep in mind the fact that we're all made of the same stuff, you know, you, me, the moon, the sun, it's the same molecular material. 
It's it's all the same, oh, you know. That's very so, Carl Sagan. So, I love yeah, it. and if that and, and if that descends into sort of a universal field theory, like an energy field, then I can see how uh, a disturbance can cause a fluctuation in an energy field that would manifest itself in a way. I don't think it's a sheet and somebody with <laughs> with an agenda, but I think creepy things can happen, and it's uh, unexplainable, but not beyond the realm of extreme possibility. Yeah, there's so much of the world that we don't understand. Absolutely, totally yeah. Know and we about. don't, and we only use like what six percent of our brains or whatever it is. I don't even know. <laughs> we Do don't we? even know about the brain. I well, know, <laughs> and it's right, and it's right behind our nose. We just did a live episode of this show about our favorite monsters from traditions oh. and urban legends and things that haven't been horror movies, and nobody. Oh, done okay, with. that's an interesting thing. What was yours? Oh, I'm glad. I had a couple. One of them was uh, it was would be a ghost story about Griffith J. Griffith. <laughs> Which uh, he was a guy who shot his wife in the face in early L.A., like turn of the century yeah, L.A., yeah, and, and then a, gave us Griffith Park. Gave us and, Griffith Park, right, right, right. <laughs> oh, I did stuff. so. Yeah, I, I have the book Hollywood Haunted, and I think he's in that book. Oh, I'll bet. Uh, he's yeah. got to be, yeah. Yeah. And the Roosevelt Hotel is very haunted, they say. They do, yeah. And, and the Comedy Store is the most – the Comedy Store is one of the most haunted buildings in Los Angeles, and there's also – the house in uh, Silver Lake or Los Feliz that they actually made a movie about. Oh, the murder house. Yeah, but I'm trying to think of the movie was like the Sentinel or something. Uh, oh, I don't know anything about. Yeah, that. it's a, yeah. there's a there's a famous house. I wish I had the book with me. I could tell you. I think the movie is the Sentinel. That's about a, a famous haunted house in Los Angeles. But the Comedy Store used to be Ciro's, which was owned by Mickey Cohen. And it was a, a mafia organization. And oh. uh, a lot of people walked into Ciro's and uh, didn't walk out. They say it's the most haunted uh, building in Los Angeles. I know people – I know a guy that was in Vietnam who said he was never more scared than he was when he was alone in the basement of the comedy store. No way. Yeah. Well, I'm curious because also I think another reason ghosts are so popular is that it's good for business to be haunted. Yeah, it a, is. A lot of times, especially yeah. hotels. They'll, they'll make a whole cottage industry out of it. Yeah, the Stanley I, Hotel. Exactly. Yeah, from The Shining. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that has ever helped the comedy store in business. I feel like maybe that's the one place that's like, no, can we not? We're just well, a very funny club. Well, my of the comedy store is like, you know, the, the ghost of coke-addled porn stars in the 80s and 90s. <laughs> it's a very, very different place now, but back in the day, that place was pretty – Pretty oh, sure. well, yeah. Every every story about it I've heard from before a certain date, it's just a rager. Yeah, like, yeah well, there was, was some like, comedy happening, and it's a party. There but, are yeah. two places that you'd have the same <laughs> vibe: the comedy store and the porno section of the video store. You know, they both <laughs> that same kind of. I shouldn't be here. <laughs> everybody giving them, everybody giving each other way too much private space. I give a stamp back. Give them some room. Um, the comedy in the men's rooms, uh, well, and, and I assume the women's rooms at the comedy store. Uh, it still has that very nine, 80s, 90s. There's a lot of neon in there and black fixtures. All the, the bathrooms are black. The toilets, the sinks, the oh. tile. And I'm convinced yeah. it's because it's easy to find cocaine on a black surface. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's why that it was put that way. Well, yeah, the outside of the building is black too, so maybe yeah, it's, it's all it's all it's all kind of hinky. But it's yeah. a very different place than it used to be. I I, I know now it's a, it's on fire now. <laughs> yeah. Well, not not literally. Not literally. Right? Or, not yeah, literally. the rest on of the fire with is, ghosts. Yeah. It'd be interesting if anybody lately has seen any of the uh, the ghosts, or if they just lay low when things are going well. Yeah, because I I have heard a lot of different parts of LA. It's like, oh, this is haunted and that is haunted, mm -hmm. and I feel like it's because. 
LA pretty much from its beginning as a city was a city of famous people. Like as mm-hmm. soon as it started being a full-fledged city, it had a creative class because everybody was making movies right away. Yes. And so there are murders everywhere all of the time. Yes. But they had names to them here. And so then we have ghosts. They had names to them here. And also the Chinese theater is, is supposedly very haunted. Oh, why the Chinese theater? That's there was not what a I know. stage manager back when it was a music hall theater that died backstage, I believe, and moves the curtain sometimes. I know someone who the, <laughs> the woman who wrote Hollywood Haunted swears she saw the curtain move when she was at the when she was doing a tour of oh, the and Chinese then you got to write the book. Then you got to yeah, go just write the book. It's a great book. Uh, <laughs> it's called Hollywood Haunted. It's a great book. Uh, yeah. I wish I brought it with me. I don't know why I didn't. And uh, I have a no books rule, so that's, okay. That's well, there you go. And yeah, I would just quietly read, read it to myself while you talk. <laughs> <laughs> the the scariest ghost story that I've ever heard, my mother told me, uh, and it takes place in Virginia. Uh, the my mom grew up in rural Virginia in, in what's called a holler, which is uh, like a, a, a oh, dell okay. and a mountain, you know. Yeah. And uh, she was born in the, the the depression. She said that there was a, a a lot of ghost stories just come from human suffering, and 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 yeah. the, the story is. A couple, young man, young woman, they had a baby. Either they went crazy or something. In a murderous rage, the husband killed the wife, uh, threw the baby into the fireplace, and then killed himself. Uh, yeah, and the right. house burned down. And the only thing that survived was the stone fireplace and chimney, the remnants of it. And they would say that, like, at night, you'd go out in the woods and you could hear the baby crying in the fireplace. Which is just, like, chilling. It's probably not true, but for a perverse reason, I hope it is. Well, not uh, for the baby, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> right. I hope it's all right. I probably should start with this. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you buy that? Um, I, as I said, I don't. <laughs> Here's a joke. My attitude on ghosts is the same as my attitude towards the female orgasm. I'll believe it when I see one, pal. <laughs> no, um, I, I don't disbelieve that some sort of fluctuation in energy could occur because of a psychic disturbance, but I don't yeah. believe in ghosts with an avenge me. <laughs> <laughs> you know? But yeah, it's also yeah. fun to believe. I believe in them to the extent that it's fun to believe in them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the same way. I think because I, I, yeah. I am open to some possibility of it, yeah. but I don't really believe in it. And the concept is immensely entertaining to me. I'm way, I'm yeah, way on d- same as the Hulk. Yeah. I want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's just more fun. It's yeah. just more fun to believe it's true. Yeah, I, I, I think that it's uh, – I don't discount the possibility that something could exist beyond the realm of my understanding. I always say this about like, not to get too airy-fairy about it, but like my attitude towards like God, for example, would be like, yeah, my dog cannot conceive of my computer, okay? But it can be in right. the same room. So it is possible that I can have proximity to something that is just beyond my understanding. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's my that's my take on it. I've heard I heard a theory like that about aliens, which is that they might be here and observing us, but just cloaked or hiding in some way that our senses can't pick up. Yeah, well, here's my attitude: limited, if, yeah. if you were an alien and you were hanging out with us, would you want to? Would you want to rub elbows? Oh, <laughs> or no. Would you rather go around quietly? We're far too heavily armed. Yeah, uh, we're yeah we're, we're yeah. somebody is uh, a really good friend of mine. Just to the aliens, said this the other day. We're having lunch. Like to the aliens, we're just a rancid chimp swamp. We're <laughs> 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 just these. <laughs> Barely evolved, shaved apes with too much weaponry. And the proof is how we abuse technology. Like when you look at yeah. the oh-so-ironically named smartphone, the purpose of the smartphone was to put the world of the internet and the, the information available online 
at your fingertips, that you would have instant exposure to the world of information. And in that uh, exposure to information, we would be united in our common humanity. Oh, yeah. And all you need to do is go online to see how united we are as a people. (laughs) (laughs) The other day I tweeted, hurricanes are bad. And then I wrote, I'm just putting this here to watch it turn into an argument. And it did. (laughs) (laughs) The comments were suing people at each other's throats. It's just like, you you know, it's just like that. And I always say, Australopithecus turned stones into tools. Homo erectus discovered fire. And Homo sapien learned how to take a picture of its genitals with a telephone. Those are our big accomplishments. (laughs) Imagine how we look from above. The glaciers are melting. Half the population's crazy. And the other half is in the bathroom. Right. <laughs> Taking pictures of its junk. I did a show last night and someone casually returned from the bathroom and said, like, I took a picture of my boobs. Anyway, you want to go get food or whatever to someone else? And I was like, this is us? This here is we are. what we're doing? Yep, that's it. All right. Well, here we go. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> I think that's probably true. Uh, there, there are things that go on that you don't really, uh, you can't disprove, but it, you want to believe. You want to believe them a little bit. Yeah, it's a very that's a very universal feeling. Like that story you told that your mother had told you about, it happened in a holler in Virginia. Like these ghosts are not just in the cities, just in the country. They're right. everywhere. Yeah. And everybody thinks there's logical reasons they could happen. In particular, some sort of grisly murder that kind of makes the narrative work. I'm sure there's a ton of books and I've never read one of them. The, what I love the fact is that people all over the planet all have similar beliefs. Yeah. Like they call them different things. Like in Ireland, it would be a banshee or something. But people on the other part of the globe, they all have similar concerns, you know, and like they all have the same sort of supernatural. By and large, everybody thinks there's more going on than meets the eye. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that that's also sort of an evolutionary desire because nobody wants to think this is it. Oh, right. That just, oh, there's nothing more to the Yeah, you're here for 80 years. Make the most of it. Yeah, get the pictures of your penis while you get them while you can. <laughs> ghosts, <laughs> able. ghosts cannot take that photo. It just look if you're wearing a sheet, it just looks like a tiny ghost. <laughs> a tiny ghost taken sideways. That's all it is. <laughs> I think one other big reason we believe in ghosts collectively is that the human brain is like weirdly psychologically primed for ghosts. I think, like for instance, sleep. Do tell. One thing that leads us to believe ghosts are around psychologically is sleep paralysis. I don't know how much you know about that overall experience, but before we had like a discipline of psychology, because that's a relatively recent official scientific field, there were different names for sleep paralysis in all sorts of cultures. They called Uh it ghost depression in China. They called it kanashibari in Japan, which means like being held down by straps. Uh And then they called it karabasan, which means the dark presser in Turkey. And it's sort of a the world dark pressure is also my name in several chat rooms. <laughs> <laughs> and this is when you are awake, when you are uh, you're asleep, but you know you're asleep. Yeah, it's a thing where it's not. I am pretty sure I've it's had never it. Happened I've had it. It's happened to me. You've had it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's never happened to you. Well, it, it's a thing where there's various scientific totals of it or numbers on it, but uh, some researchers at Penn State and UPenn teamed up and went through a bunch of different sleep paralysis studies, a couple dozen of uh-huh. them, and they came to a number of 7.6% of the general population has experienced sleep paralysis. I am in that 76 
Yeah, and they also said over 28% of students. And so I think, uh, yeah. Yeah, the pressure thing. Yeah. It's uh, all that happening yeah. to you. Uh, yeah, but it's an interesting thing. Wow. I, it's funny. I, I assumed everybody had experienced it. That's really weird that you say that. What it happens is you know you're asleep and your mind is awake, but you don't fly into a panic. In, in the way that when you – Jonah Ray actually described – we were talking about like how a terrible thing oh, okay. can happen to you in a dream, but you're not – emotionally connected to it. And as Jonas, Jonas said this, it's like watching a movie you're in, <laughs> which is really well put. It's sort of like that. You don't, you don't get like, I'm trapped, I'm trapped. I'm, but you do. I have tried to like jerk my body awake, try to move and, and, and wake up and you can't. Yeah. From what I've read, you should not be able to, because apparently no, it. it's your body is frozen by REM sleep. Right. It's completely frozen, but right. you are also awake for at least a minute or two. Yeah. And they say that a large percentage of the population has experienced it at some point, and then a few people have it chronically and deal with it a lot. Part of what I remember is that you – one of the reasons that you don't panic is because you can feel – it's like when you feel a sneeze coming on. Like you'll be able to move oh. in a minute. You'll be, it's like you can feel it. That's what I remember. Like That's amazing. It's like it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's coming. And then sometimes you just go back to sleep. To me – there would be no greater hell than like that, the diver and the butterfly, uh, that syndrome, locked in syndrome. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. Belger and the butterfly? Something like that. The, it was a movie called uh, yeah. Di- I The Diver and the Butterfly or something, or something like that. But anyway, it's about locked in syndrome where your mind is alert and your body is paralyzed. It's just, yeah, it seems terrifying. Yeah, and, that's as bad as it gets. <laughs> and, and, right. and apparently, in a lot of sleep paralysis cases, people have sleep paralysis and see some kind of spectral figure or a black dog or something. Oh, or, wow, or they that's take, cool. They take something that would normally just be a nightmare, but it feels like you're awake in bed being pinned down by it in life. Right. Like you're in your room and it's there. Right, right, know? right. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. Yeah. And I think it also just goes to people say, like when somebody dies, like you, you always hear these people like going like, my dad was really looking out for me or something like like somebody like you hear that it's a Catholic thing a lot, but like somebody yeah. will die and then you will not get in the car accident. Like, oh, I could feel my dad looking out for me. I could feel my dad telling me to step on the brakes. And it's just this desire to not let go. It's just an inability to accept de- oh, the finality yeah. of death. It's such a good version of it. It's yeah, not exactly. a scary ghost. Yeah. It's and a, George Carlin has a brilliant routine about like can't these people ever relax? <laughs> so your dad has to go up to heaven and take care of you the rest of it. <laughs> That's really great. I'm not doing it nearly the justice that it deserves. I'm the most surprised when people invoke that in sports. Like, I love sports, but, like, my deceased relatives do not need to help the White Sox accomplish things. Yeah, yeah, they or God himself. Out. Yeah, you know? right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I've witnessed my mother on her knees thanking God for letting the Celtics win. This <laughs> is beyond ridiculous. And she's dead serious, too. Grown woman drives a car. <laughs> you know, it's just okay. All right, that's fun. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's fun yeah. to believe that God's in there tipping the ball in for your favorite team. Yeah, or dunking. Uh, I like it looks that so God cool. plays. Yeah, well, the, yeah. the whole belief in American exceptionalism, which no president can disavow. Yeah, it's sort of amazing. Yeah, yeah, uh, is the belief that we're God's favorite country. Yeah. <laughs> It's so insane. It would be so great if a guy just went, this is ridiculous. <laughs> yes, this n- not 300-year-old nation is the favorite entity of a timeless, invisible giant. 
yeah, they never do like evidence-based exceptionalism. <laughs> They're never like, we're the best yeah. country because X, Y, and yeah. Z are things we're doing. Yeah, because like, we're, we're 30th in the world in most things. <laughs> so we're the best. When you mentioned, oh, like, oh, my dad's looking out for me. And then there's the dark side of like, oh, I'm sleep paralyzed and there's a yeah. ghost. There's also a version of that with carbon monoxide poisoning, apparently. Because yeah, there been I'm a, listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're piping it into the room. We're going to feel it. No. No, um, tell, what do you mean? That's fantastic. There's a thing uh, uh, scientists uh, have noticed that. And also there's a TED talk by someone named Carrie Poppy who talked about experiencing it in their own L.A. apartment. But there's a thing where a lot of the symptoms of carbon monoxide poisoning feel like a room is haunted or a room has something wrong with it because the symptoms can be there's a pressure on your chest. You can experience auditory hallucinations sometimes. <sighs> And also there's an unexplained feeling of dread if your body is picking up on the carbon monoxide. Right, right. Oh, that's interesting. And that's sort of ghost math. Like that's all the that's equation perfect. elements ghost math. that that's add a, yeah, up Yeah, that's to... great. Ghost math is a great title for something. <laughs> that would be what I would take in college. I'll take ghost math. It's yeah. just below business math. And then it's stressful and you're sleep paralyzed, you know? Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> it's a disaster. right. Yeah, yeah. That, I guess that is the origin of it. And um, you know, banshees have a very obvious origin of just like uh, the noise of wind on the moors and things like that. But I, I loved tracing these things back. And the and the other weird thing is before the onset of UFOs, these uh, very similar experiences were haints. It was a form of ghosts, and then oh, uh, and then it get tra- yeah. and then it get changed into UFOs by people uh, in the twentieth century, like. I didn't know a lot that's of those. Yeah, a lot of those. Do you ever read the Fortean Times? I've heard of it. Yeah, I, I I've read pieces it's of it fit. online. I've, yeah. I subscribe to it. It's an excellent, excellent magazine. Because it's all just amazing crypto stuff, right? Crypto stuff, but but yeah. a lot of it based. Like if it was an article about this, it would have everything you would read would be factual. Like this person believed in this. This person said they witnessed this. Like it's the science of the supernatural. It doesn't justify. It just reports. This is what this person thought. This is what this person thought. This is what this person thought. Oh, that sounds great. But yeah. Based by a guy named Charles Fort. And he's declared these the Fortean times? These are the Fortean times. Yeah. These are the Fortean times. <laughs> these are, these are the Fortean <laughs> times. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. But they had an article about that, how they were haints and that they were fairies and then it became UFOs. But the descriptions were similar, like glowing people with large black eyes and things like that. It was all very similar. Wow. Yeah. Is, and is Haints uh, an American South thing? Because I No, Haints, I believe, is also a Celtic form oh. for like a ghost or a, or a fairy. With an oh, F-A-E-R-I-E. Okay, yeah. A fairy. Right, right, Oh, yeah. Sprite, a fairy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's an article on Cracked uh, called Six Bizarre Ways Architecture is Designed to Ward Off Ghosts. And it's Ooh. all about things that cultures do. That I mean, they're probably not effective because I th- still think ghosts are made up. But they're things that people do just traditionally to try to ward them off. And one is that Gullah culture in the American South, apparently they believe that ghosts can't cross water. And so what they do is then they use— But they can go through walls. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. What you do is uh, they uh, a few hundred years ago they were making a paint called blue haint which is just means any shade of blue, basically. And they would do the windows and the doors and entry points of the house in this blue paint. And since blue is the color of water, Water, they thought a ghost would say, a ghost can't get through it, and then you're stuck. When in actuality, you should just watch out for carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah, you should be more more concerned (laughs) about carbon monoxide poisoning. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, that's really fascinating. I didn't know that. But yeah, those are all the, all, there's a reason for all that. I, I wonder what the origin is. And I'm sure there's, again, there's a million articles about why aliens 
sodomized people, but ghosts didn't? Or is there a whole story about ghosts oh. sodomizing people that we don't know about? The only sexual ghost story I know is that Ghostbusters scene where Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob and it's unexplained <laughs> and there's no reason for it. That would that would apply to any time Dan Aykroyd gets a blowjob. <laughs> <laughs> Is that in Ghostbusters one or two? One. <laughs> oh, yeah. really? Yeah, I watched it as a kid, and it, it's like the ghost goes under his sheets when he's sleeping, and then he does like a, a very slapsticky comedy face of like, sex is happening to me. Like, whoa. <laughs> I don't remember that. It's never touched on again or explained. There's no setup for it. It just happens. Wow. And then, uh, that's it. Yeah, my it's, big memory of that movie is for two years, everybody when they saw me would say there is no Dana, only Zool. I, that was just oh all no. I heard for like two years. I yep yep that's the I, name that's Sigourney Weaver's name. <laughs> She's a woman and I'm not. <laughs> yeah, but I look like Rick Moranis. It's very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> the whole alien buggery. There has to be some sort of historical precedence for that too. I, I would believe it comes partly from some previous tradition of something or other. Yeah, right, a buggery. It, well, it well there's a lot of backwoods action going on there too. With, you know, a, yeah. you know, an accountant in the Upper East Side rarely saw a UFO that got buggered. But if you wear, say, a bib overalls with no shirt underneath, the odds go up exponentially. <laughs> it's what aliens are into, I guess. They would often sing, Thank God I'm a Country Boy by John Denver while doing <laughs> Good playlist. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like aliens are ghosts plus science fiction tropes. You know, like yeah, I think so. All, I think so. It's not. It's like they heard about the space program and then they decided ghosts yeah. are UFOs. Something yeah. like that. Although the mathematical possibility of aliens is vastly uh, more likely than yes. that of ghosts. I would think. Yeah, I think so too. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think if they're here or they can access us, why would they want to? <laughs> you know, right? What's so great about us? Yeah. When we, was the last time you like walked by like a shitty house in a poor neighborhood and saw a bunch of morons hanging on the porch and thought, "Let's go visit." <laughs> <laughs> what the hell would they want to do with us? With old houses, also, there's one other psychological reason, and I could see this leading to aliens. I haven't looked into it specifically with this, but with ghosts, there's something called infrasound that is an actual sonic phenomenon that. Various studies have pointed to being a reason that we think ghosts are around or happening. Infrasound is not consciously heard, but it's a sound that we sense. It's below 20 hertz, which uh -huh. is cycles per second. So it's a very, very low sound that occurs naturally in a lot of different ways that we can kind of feel in our bodies, but we we don't pick up with our ears. And so it gives people a, a feeling of dread when oh, they're around. Oh, that's fat. I bet, yeah. I bet like in those CIA prisons that they're constantly just drumming that stuff too. I bet that. Oh, I'd, I'd believe that actually. Yeah, yeah I, they, they must be. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I The house that I lived in previously to the one I live in now, the previous owner died on the premises. And you find that out because they had to start listing that in real estate. Oh, is that a law? Probably, <clears throat> right? I Gotta think be. it's a law. I know that they do it now. And it's because of people unloading Sharon Tate's house on people. <laughs> like, and then you buy this house and then you find out later, oh- some people were slaughtered here. So they started this thing like you have to divulge. And I lived in, uh, I've talked about this on, on other podcasts, Roddy McDowell's old house. And he passed away oh. in my in my former bedroom that was his before me. And uh, <laughs> I remember walking through that house 
when it was being renovated. So we weren't living there yet. I remember very specifically, it was a full moon. It was a quiet night. Yeah. It was windy. And there were all these plastic tarps because it was dust because the house was being torn up, you know, gutted and rebuilt. And wherever he is, he's not there because there wasn't a... There There's wasn't no a, spooky signs of no, anything. And no vibe at all. Just like dead. That house was just... There's nothing creepy at all in that house. But I've been <laughs> in houses that do have a weird vibe in them. Yeah. Well, that, that makes... Total sets, partly because I still think ghosts aren't real, but also because infrasound will often happen naturally because of just old piping Mm -hmm. or also just old fans being in houses. They're Ah. the first the first scientist to dig into it was named Vladimir Gavro. And in the 1950s, he had an assistant whose ears kept bleeding, and he was like, "Ah, oh, something is amiss." And uh, and they found maybe that, I should stop stabbing you in the ears. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it keeps happening. <laughs> and he found it was related to infrasound, and, so, and usually it doesn't cause that kind of physical thing. Right. But also, there was a British university lecturer and engineer named Vic Tandy. And in the 1980s, he was working in a workshop and he kept feeling this weird feeling of dread. And then one night he saw an apparition next to him on his bench for like seven minutes. And he was like, oh, what is going on? And then he, on another day, he apparently was a fencer. He was way into fencing. And he Natch. put- <laughs> The British, <laughs> they love it. And he put his, uh, one of his fencing swords in a clamp and saw that it was wobbling even though it was in a clamp and it shouldn't be doing- He had left it there for hours and it shouldn't have been moving. And he discovered that- it was creating infrasound, and then he looked around kind of the rest of the building and found out there was an old fan directly above him that was at the exact hertz that causes that feeling of dread and causes trouble for you. And in particular, if a sound is in the sweet spot of 19 hertz, if that's where the infrasound is at, it makes your eyeballs vibrate. And so when your eyeballs vibrate, you'll see things. You'll see things. Yeah. And so he realized that he was in like a perfect storm of infrasound that was giving him an apparition next to him. Oh my God, that's fantastic. That's yeah. perfect. And it's a thing that can be in just old houses, old places. Apparently also a not being used pipe organ is prime for creating it because uh-huh. of just all the different right. pipes that are up there. And I just think like on a, if you're yeah. out, you know, or if you're out in the moors on a really windy night. Yeah. Just the wind, you know, it's like, you And know, the wind and yeah. wind and seasonal patterns can also create yeah. it. Yeah. yeah they also, they, they've also found tigers roar at about 18 hertz. So that creates infrasound. And then elephants actually use it on purpose to communicate with each other. They do a very loud, very low sound at like 14 hertz oh. that I creates mean, But infrasound. they joke too. I don't have a ghost of a chance of finding any peanuts over here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I always feel if we could hear animals talk, it would just be like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry. But it also might be bits. It might just be <laughs> bits. sparrow jokes and, you know, whatever they do. But yeah, so this uh, this infrasound phenomenon is in everything, and especially in like derelict places, which is where you expect ghosts right, to be. Right, right, like, like that's an old the ship or that's, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But isn't it more fun <laughs> to believe? Oh, way more fun. Yeah. Now, have you ever had an experience that was a little spooky? I don't think I really have. Yeah, which I think is part of why I'm so skeptical and casual about ghosts, uh-huh. a thing that many people believe in. But I, I, I legitimately don't think I've had. A particularly crazy experience like that, yeah. I was in the Ambassador Hotel uh, walking through the kitchen where Robert Kennedy was assassinated. Oh. Before they- In L.A. Or the, yeah, right, yeah, in L.A. before they gutted it and turned it into the L.A. Unified. 
I walked through a blast of freezing cold air in the kitchen and then said, uh, why do they have the air conditioning running down here? And they said, they don't. That's it. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. There's a yeah. pocket of cold air, probably very easily uh, explainable, but that happened. I have no... Well, and and it being, like, of course you lead in the story with where Robert Kennedy yeah, was Yeah, shot, so, yeah it was like, right where Robert Kennedy was... Yeah, like, yeah, of exactly, course. yeah. Yeah, yeah, the odds of it really being a ghost are nearly nil, but it's a fun <laughs> story, and you you want to believe that it's it's something creepy or spooky. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and there's also, like, look, the house on LCALO Drive where Sharon Tate and... J.C. bringing those people were murdered. People moved into it later and, you know, whether you manifest it yourself, whether there's just like such a disturbance, like just such a energy, <laughs> just, you know, violation yeah. of the, – eventually they bulldozed it. You know, the house that's there now is not the structure. They they just bulldozed the house. I, th- I, yeah. I think they did that with O.J.'s house too or or with Nicole's house, that they just bulldozed the house and, and built a new one. Yeah, I, like, I believe it. Because I, I do, I at one point years ago, I was doing assistant work in, for, for people listening who don't know, it's the house where the Tate murders happen is like up in the Hollywood Hills, kind right. of above Beverly Hills there. And I was doing right. assistant work for somebody a few streets down. And I like found out that it was down there. I was like, oh, I'm going to go check it out. And then I had a picture of the house and I was just comparing it. And yeah, I was like, oh, it's no, this is just thing. some other thing now. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. the thing. Yeah. And I think the last person that went there, that lived there was, uh, what's his face from Nine Inch Nails, Trent Reznor. I think, or oh, that's a good yeah. house for him. That, yeah, that checks out. But it's just yeah. like, eh, you know, like that's not cool. I yeah. had my time, you know, when I was like a jerky, punky kid. I liked punk music, and I never had the look, but that's the music that I liked. But even even that, when I was you know twenty two and anarchic, uh, <laughs> I never thought Manson t shirts were cool. It's like no, he murdered people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right, right. You know, really like, decent people that didn't hurt anybody <laughs> were slaughtered like cows. See, there's nothing cool about this guy at all. He knew the Beach Boys. That's one cool thing. That's the only cool thing about him. There's nothing, nothing cool about that. Or it's like where the Black Dahlia was found now. It's just this. Uh, it's just a house that wasn't there before. And there's a, a Japanese couple that live there. They're very nice because people are always going by their house. And I was like, yes, it was right over there with a fire hydrant. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they're very, they're very nice. I took a Jack the Ripper tour once in London. Oh, and, sure. Yeah, great. You know, it was cool. But at the same time, throughout the tour, I started to get a feeling of like, it was, he was brutally murdering people or, yeah, or a group cool of people him. were, I don't know. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing cool about it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, also, I want to ask you, you're from uh, Massachusetts. It's Hopedale, Massachusetts, right? Yeah. Uh, how much ironically the... named town in the country. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to predict things about you. I know that. And then also Stand Against Evil has a really wonderful thing where it kind of blows out the true thing that Salem, Massachusetts, was not totally the center of the witch thing. No, it wasn't. It's just one element of the overall witch craze. Right. And like Andover had a lot more trials. And like, yes, yeah. Uh, and nobody was burned at the stake uh, in Salem. They were hung. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and one guy crushed by a rock. It's yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. But and no burnings. Was, yeah, there was yeah no burnings, but uh, it it reads well. Burnings read well. Yeah. <laughs> People burn in England more. Why? There's a great book about it called The Witches. That's a very well researched, well documented story about the Salem witch trials. And when I was preparing to write the series for the show, 
after I'd written the pilot, I really wanted to be a diligent professional writer and do a lot of research. And I read this giant book and used none of it. <laughs> I just ended up pulling stuff out of my ass like everybody else. <laughs> but, but I did read it. It's, it's very fascinating. And it, what's amazing is it took place in 1692, I believe. Yeah. You know, it's just petty, jerky people. It could have happened today. People are just petty, oh, sure. petty little a-holes. They really are. They really are. Yeah. Well, and also actually they, because I, I did a thing about the trials for Cracked and it was reading a book called In the Devil's Snare by a history professor named Mary Beth Norton. And she was arguing that part of where these witch trials come from, uh, especially in Europe where they were a lot bigger, like there were some yeah. brutal ones in Germany. And, and like you said, in England, is that it would be a result of bad wars. The 80 years war and the 30 years war yeah. all happened in Europe. And then there were a bunch of refugees and a bunch of strife and people psychologically yeah, were like, let's get a hold of our world with some witch trials. And then yeah, in New well, England around Salem, there was a war called King William's War with Native Americans that yes. sent refugees from Maine into Massachusetts. And then witch trials happened. Right yeah, witch trials happened. And also when you just see how brutal life was then, oh, you know, sure. and, and, yeah. and how hyper crazy the Puritans were. That movie, I believe. Oh, The Crucible? Like the Arthur No, Noah the one play? that just came out last year with a goat. Oh, uh, I think it's just called The Witch. Yeah, I haven't the, seen yeah, it. It's, yeah, it, it's a very good depiction of just how deeply, religiously crazy these people were. Yeah. Uh, the Puritans. And, you know, you see that in our culture now where, you know, people, you know, people suffer and their life is difficult and enough time goes by and you just need a person from some form of pulpit saying it's, you know, in this case, it's instead of witches, in this case, it's Mexicans, but that's your problem, yeah. Mexicans. <laughs> right. And people, uh, people love a scapegoat. Yeah, they really What are you going to yeah. do? Blame yourself for your problems? <laughs> Who would? Who would? I don't. Growing up in Massachusetts, that part of Massachusetts, did it feel like witch country or something? Was it like I grew a big up, well, local? Yeah, I was – well, it wasn't up to Salem. My big memory – I've been to Salem a couple times and my favorite thing about Salem is that there's a liquor store there called The Bunghole. It has, <laughs> it has a big blue neon sign, The Bunghole, which is a part of a ship. But uh, it's, it's like, I, really – you guys – it's like the company Siemens. Siemens investment. If you're such right. a smart company, why are you named Siemens? Um, <laughs> uh, let's be honest. Jizzbusters. Jizzbusters investments. But uh, Bunghole Securities. Bunghole Securities. <laughs> <laughs> um, Busta, not all over your savings. Um, but, well, for one thing, I have a last name is Ghoul, and I lived on Cemetery Street. I lived on a- No way, really? Yeah, I lived on a street that was a, a you go down. I lived at like the top of a little hill, and you could take your bike. You'd have to have somebody at the corner to make sure no car was coming. And then you could just go on your bike- without pedaling down the hill around the corner and then you would just you could glide right into the cemetery and it was like called cemetery street it's called cemetery street i, <laughs> I have a photo on my phone i'll show you when we're done i lived at the intersection of cemetery and hope i, I have <laughs> the photo on. right there i'll show it to you that's the title of a thing forget ghost yeah, math yeah cemetery and the hope. intersection of cemetery and hope yeah cemetery and hope nine cemetery street was my home address and i was hoping to be like 13 13 or something no, like, still yeah. there though still there my first exposure to like spooky stuff i was like four or five, my brothers used to watch Dark Shadows, if you know what that oh, is. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it was always a part of my, like, monsters and stuff like that. I grew up with this stuff. And, I mean, the reason I love it now, I think, is because, again, you look at cause and effect of things. 
I grew up in a very, very, very chaotic household. There were eight of us, including my parents, mm-hmm. in a three-bedroom house with one bathroom. Okay. And, yeah. and uh, my younger sister and I were the only ones not drunk on a regular basis. So it was yeah. it was just like an asylum. And no and phone to look at to get away. No phone to look at. Yeah. And the things that were comforting then were the same things that I derive great comfort in now. You know, it's like I can I can knock them off. You know, it's like <laughs> James Bond movies, monster movies, Star Trek. Oh, man. Uh, we should know, watch stuff together. Certain kind of music. Uh, yeah. It's all the stuff that sort of was a, a safe spot. Like I became a huge original series Star Trek fan when I was a kid because it was on every night at six and I could oh. depend on it. It's yeah. like if it's, if it's not the weekend, Star Trek's on at six and it's going to be there. Yeah. <laughs> when so much else was completely up in the air. Uh, so you really came to depend on that. And, uh, and the same with horror movies and stuff like that. It was just where you go for, for comfort psychologically. Yeah. The narrative power of it too. Like it's such a gripping, I feel like those are a couple of like a spy going all over the world, ship going all over the universe, mm-hmm. and then spooks coming out of every corner of the yeah. earth. And it's those also, are, ju- yeah, but also they're very, they're both very just shows. You know, they yeah. weren't anti-heroes. The good guys did win. And in, in terms of like monster movies, like the old monster movies as a kid, kids love them so much because they relate to the monster because the monster is an outcast. Everybody hates the monster. And that's how kids feel in their own, in their, in the narcissism of, of childhood. Uh, you know, it's, it's exactly how you feel. You know, it's like nobody understands me. Everybody screams when I come around. I'm not doing anything to harm anybody, but everybody's always yelling at me. That's exactly how kids feel. I have a little cousin who they showed him Jaws for the first time, and he was rooting for the shark. Of course he was. He was pro shark all the way. I am realizing it's because of what you say. Yeah. Like, we just thought it was funny because he was like, ah, that's, the, that's the villain. You're not. But now, like, he did they show it to him recently? Uh, it would have been a year or two ago. Yeah. Okay. Did he think the shark looked real? Oh, uh, great question. Because effects know. are so evolved yeah. now. There are some of those scenes where the shark looks a little creaky. There's Toward only the one end. really bad. Yeah, that that shot at the end is bad. When it's like up in the boat halfway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> not stay in the water. Not, yeah. yeah, that's not too great. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, I think it, they do a pretty good job of it. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I remember showing uh, somebody the original Planet of the Apes, and this is probably 2012. They go like, "So are they ape people? Because they don't look like apes." <laughs> oh, shut up. Turning it off. <laughs> it's 1968. <laughs> it's the best they could do. <laughs> it's a satire. <laughs> I'm leaving. Yeah. Storm out of my own house. <laughs> and, and as you're leaving, they're like, hey, there's a remake. We should watch the remake. And you're Tim like, Burton did it great. Slamming doors. Slamming doors. Yeah. <laughs> ah! I remember watching that movie when it came out with a friend of mine who's a big movie director now. And uh <laughs> movie got about. 20 seconds in, and he went, it's horrible. And oh, he no. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, he nailed it. Yeah. But, it's like uh, a premonition. Yeah. Yeah. No, you can, t- you can tell sometimes you see a movie. You can tell right out of the gate, like, uh, something's wrong. Something's wrong. This isn't right. You can just yeah. tell from the beginning sometimes. I just saw Blade Runner over the weekend. Oh, the new like, one? Yeah. yeah. And it was good. I loved it. I thought it was great. It's, you know, it's a long haul. But, uh, you know, you can tell, like, in the first minute, like, no, oh, this will be good. You can oh, just yeah, kind of sure. tell. Yeah, you can just, when the director feels sure of the, you know, you can just feel that stuff. Again, you can just feel it. Yeah. Well, that's probably part of why we react so strongly to a movie either being good or bad. I don't, maybe I think we react so strongly because the internet's always just mad or thrilled about things. But, yeah, I know, yeah. But, like, if you know it's good right away, you know you have a great next hour and a half and, and then vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. 
I find that really interesting too, uh, that, that it's also the internet in that way is a Rorschach test for people. Yeah. Uh, it tells you a lot about, about the people. My show, Stand Against Evil, gets compared a lot to Ash versus Evil Dead. Which both it's have wisecracking probably, guys fighting monsters. It's probably a title element. It's uh, it's yeah. more the title than anything else. Yeah. Uh, the the premise of the show was in my mind, and and it, I thought of the show, I'd sold the show before Ash versus Evil Dead premiered, but I was certainly familiar with Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness. I love those movies. I I yeah. love those movies. I've only seen the first half of the first episode of the TV show, and then. Uh, my, I was watching with my daughter, and she said, Dad, this is inappropriate. And so, because Ash was having sex, so I shut it off. And oh, that, that was the free sneak. We don't have stars, so that's all I've seen. But if you've seen the show or if you watch it, here's the whole idea behind the show. What if instead of Fox Mulder, Dana Scully was paired with my dad? Right. That's the show. That's the show. That's all you need to know. And then the title, it was originally called Willard's Mill, and then I wanted the title that made you think that it was also funny, and I, and I thought Stand Against Evil was good. I said, well, I'll just drop the D, and I changed the lead character's name from Kenny to Stan, and that became Stan Against Evil. And yeah. had I been aware of Ash vs. Evil Dead, I would have never named it something so similar. Well, if the yeah. show was similar, I wouldn't have also named it something similar. If I was going to rip off a show, I'd be more clever than that. That's what I'm saying. Right. <laughs> but like, so we just online, if you go, it's probably still up. If you go to ifc.com or their Facebook page, there's a, we're sneaking one episode from season two, a really funny episode called Curse of the Pony, starring... Oh, great. David Keckner and uh, Stephen Ogg from Walking Dead and Half Man, Half Pony, All Terror. And <laughs> in the comments, was really interesting because it was like, like, this is funny, this is funny, this is funny, this is great. I'm not going to watch. It's a ripoff. But then you'd see people go, no, it's not. You have to watch it. Yeah. But you can just see how some people are just prone to give something a chance. Some people, they've already made up their mind. And this is my first exposure to the internet being used as a forum for negative comments. I don't know if you knew this happened, but people are <laughs> posting negative comments on the internet what do you mean? as we speak. Like publicly? <laughs> yeah, we've got to fix this. Hold on. <laughs> we've got to fix this. Surely don't, they don't do it with social media profiles that are <laughs> Certainly not. tied to their name and address and <laughs> yeah. children. I know. It's amazing. Whenever I see a negative comment and the thumbnail is the person with their baby. Yeah, yeah. Stunning. Like, what, well, somebody, stunning, stunning. There was a story about a woman that like some guy was really harassing her and she yeah. confronted him and they became friends. <laughs> you know, it's such a weird. Oh, is that Lindy West? I think I read that. I don't that. know yeah. who it is. I, yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Like the story of them. Yeah. Well, as I a felt case like study. I want to read it. Lindy, Lindsay, Lindy? Lindy West, yeah. Okay, I'm going to look writing. that up. Yeah. I'm not a fan of any gun being available to any person at any time. Mm. And I will often post things about that. And that's really when the when the, the hate avalanche starts. And I found in a couple instances where I've engaged with people and responded, you're only two or three exchanges away from having a friendly discussion. Yeah, once they once they realize you're human, it's yeah, fun. yeah, that takes all yeah, the fun yeah. out of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just like, you know, I understand that. I just don't think. Yeah, well, I agree with. I see your point, but I disagree. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, hey man, I love your show. You know, <laughs> it's just it's just so funny. It's just so yeah. weird. Sort of like realizing there aren't ghosts. It's your own life. It's your own, I was just going to yeah. say we don't have a ghost of a chance of solving this problem. <laughs> bringing it back to the topic. <laughs> Another thing about ghosts. Yeah. That I believe people like to cling to the theory of a ghost because it's proof that they have a soul and that they're separate and above oh, everything else. Cool. Yeah. 
Because your body will die, but your soul will live on. I'm Catholic. I, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It's called a ghost. Yeah. Uh, My hand know. instinctively did. The yeah, exactly. That's yeah. just called the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and I think that people, you know, want to believe that because it proves, no, no, we're we're more. We're, you know, we're there's more to us here. And this isn't just it. We go on after this. Yeah. Well, and also I think even beyond wanting ourselves to have something that goes on, we also just want like our stuff to be interesting. Our personal experience section is run by Robert Evans, and he talked to Robert ghost Evans hunt. of Paramount Pictures. I know it's it's similar; it's the same name, but uh, different. Guys. Was I excited about ghosts? You bet your ass I was. <laughs> he found the young starlet ghost. Hey, yeah. Very who, yeah. Who came to the haunted house with me? Ali McGraw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's such a good Robert Evans was. Not that one. Other Robert Evans talked to uh, their names are Clint and Jessica Harris, and they're ghost hunters, and they talked about the jobs they got called in for as ghost hunters. And for one thing, when people call them into private homes, they usually don't tell anybody about it. And when businesses call them in, they like make an event out of it, uh-huh. especially if it's a hotel or something. Right. Apparently anytime a hotel calls them in, they also put it on their events calendar and they have wow. drinks and they like show Is people it, around. Now, are these people connected to the people that did the, the from The Conjuring? Because they're um, real. that's a real couple, I believe. Oh, maybe I don't know. They're out in they were out in Colorado, I think. This uh-huh. couple, uh, so maybe separate. And and do they like burn sage, or do they have an electromagnetic <laughs> box like the Ghostbusters? They do. They do a lot of trying to find. I think it's called EVPs. It's like a sign of audio of a ghost. And uh-huh. the article has a couple of very very brief audio clips, and they're like, oh, you can kind of hear someone saying this creepy thing, and we got it in the field, you know, with our right. Thing. And it's uh, just. Hmm. You know, it could be anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't buy it, but you know, it's yeah. Like, well, it's like those shows on like the upper end cable channels, like The Search for Bigfoot. It's it's always like these guys almost find something and then it's nothing, and then the show's over. Like what happened? Yeah. Another thing <laughs> they, they said. They're gonna find him this episode. Yeah. Another thing they said is that often they would get called in for a job, and the people who called them are like, "So when is the TV show Ghost Hunters coming to follow right. you guys doing this?" And they're oh, like, yeah. "Oh, we're not affiliated with them." And the people would be like. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I think that was probably just a creek, actually. I don't know, it's probably yeah. nothing. Yeah, like, really <laughs> they just wanted to be on TV. Yeah, yeah. that was it. Yeah. Oh, but it's a fantastic. lot, so it's a lot of like, whether it's media or business or just wanting to be exciting, those mm-hmm. particular ghost hunters have found people like want a show. They want themselves to be a thing. I have a very good friend who lives in LA, who's not a nut, who swears their apartment was haunted and and had somebody like do a cleansing of it. Did they get a kick out of it? Yeah, but they weren't happy that th- that there were things like oh, okay, yeah, like they called the owner. Did this ever happen? They go, yeah, that's Reginald, or like <laughs> Reginald. you know, cabinets or thing. But you know, my friend is not a, a a nut. You know, they're pretty solid citizen, and so I don't know. Reginald is such a solid ghost name. It's that, a perfect one. Yeah, that works. Yeah, yeah. it's never like <laughs> oh, that's Courtney, <laughs> <laughs> that's Ashley. <laughs> Or like later, Urban goes, up. yeah, that's Defong. <laughs> you know, why, why are there any rapper ghosts of rappers? Yeah, it's always a, a very biblical or old English yeah, kind of name. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's never too fat or whatever. <laughs> With a PH. <laughs> we need ghosts dropping singles. That's what we need. Hot bars. <laughs> I just heard the expression dropping truth, which is somebody when someone says something. My man dropping truth. Oh. Giving me directions Sick. to the Starbucks. <laughs> they probably don't use it in that context. Yeah, I know. I'm like Jack Webb <laughs> making fun of the word groovy now. I can hear it. <laughs> yeah. I think you're pretty far out, don't you, son? I should do Robert Evans back to you, but I don't have it. I don't have it. <laughs> Who was there harassing the ghost? Jack Webb. <laughs>
Where was Allie? She was with Steve McQueen. As I concerned, <laughs> I took my hand out the ball. <laughs> they, he had the funniest thing. He was on The Simpsons, and I didn't write it, so I'll talk about how funny it was. Homer had insomnia, and he was watching Charlie Rose, and Robert Evans was on Charlie Rose. <laughs> and I don't know who wrote this, but he said, uh, I get a call. Charlie Blue Dawn is having a birthday party. Was I nervous? <laughs> I had the butterflies like Chasen said chili. I called up Bobby Town, and four drafts later, we had ourselves a banner. Happy birthday, Charlie. <laughs> it's like the Mount Everest of jokes. It's amazing. <laughs> I'll bet Homer was just staring. Like, <laughs> yeah. I think that was the same episode where he's watching Twin Peaks, and you see the horse dance, and he goes, amazing, brilliant. I don't know what this is. <laughs> now I remember. That's yeah. the best. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what this is. <laughs> Folks, that's the episode for this week. My thanks to Dana Gould for sharing firsthand experience of a lot of these phenomena. I didn't even know he'd have that. And let's dive into our footnotes. We're linking off to Dana's podcast, The Dana Gould Hour, his new stand-up hour, Mr. Funny Man, and the info for Stand Against Evil Season 2, premiering November 1st on IFC. Along with that, we're linking you to more good stuff about the murder, science, and paranormal funsies we dug into today. I particularly want to call out that P.E. article with Ghost Hunters by Robert Evans. That could have been an entire show on its own. It's amazing. My favorite story from the Ghost Hunters is that one of their investigations was at a house where a guy was gaslighting his wife because the guy knew that his wife had very rich parents and he didn't like where they lived at the time. So he was trying to convince her that their house was haunted so her parents would buy them a new one. So he he's leading the ghost hunters around and he's like having them do all this investigating. And then when they do the monitoring the house, they find the guy messing with his wife. They got an infrared photo of him in a closet talking into a digital recorder saying, I'm in here. And that was that was an actual case they dealt with. It's bonkers. Anyway, that's in the footnotes. Another thing we've got in there is a link to see us live next month, November. We are back at UCB Sunset for another live show, November 11th at 7 p.m. We're going to be talking about all the different political stories that you might have missed because the president is a dumpster fire. So we're going to get into all of the rest of the country that's been happening this year, about a year since the election. Tickets are available at UCB Sunset's website. That's sunset.ucbtheater.com. Theater with an R-E on the end. That's why I say it all fancy. And if you want to get a shirt of this show, that's another live way to enjoy it. We've got them at podswag.com. We're linking off to that. There is a shirt for the footnotes. And there is also a Schmitty the Clam t-shirt. I would be blown away if you wanted to get one of those and like send me a picture of you in it on social media, above board. Let's be cool about it. And if you want to hear some other podcasts, we already talked about Cracked Mailbag on the show. That's our new show where we answer your questions. We also have another new podcast coming next month. More info about that soon. This coming month of November is John Hughes Month on Cracked Movie Club. Kurt Vonnegut is releasing a new episode tomorrow. And we've got even more podcasting at Cracked from there. Check it out. And as far as this show goes, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. Our episode was engineered by Cody Scully, edited by Chris Souza, and co-produced by Brett Rader. Find Brett at Brett, R-A-D-E-R, on Twitter. 
And if you love this episode, oh, that's great, man. Cool. If you hated it, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media. The place where the bot is trolling from inside the house. You can find me on Twitter under the name at Alex Schmitty. I'm also on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. And I'm happy to say we will be back next week with more Cracked Podcasts. How about that? Talk to you then. Down the door, make your mark at Earwolf, Joe. Hey, we got a new podcast coming to Earwolf. It's called Dr. Game Show. It's a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners, regardless of quality or content. We play them with in-studio comedian guests and people that call from all over America. Mom, I'm on Dr. Game Show. Don't talk to me. Oh, yeah. Mom will know what that sentence means. Bing bong. Oh, my God. You are a lazy egg yolk. Okay, weird. I found a human finger in the woods. Oh, my God. The little anxiety in the room right now. I could feel it. What's going on? It's Meow O'Clock. It's your boy, Professor Meow Mix in the hat. That's going to be a hit single. I'm hosting it. My name is Joe Firestone, and this is Manolo Moreno. That makes sense. When they go Manolo, we go Mano High. Check it out for family fun. Coming to Earwolf October 25th. Great. That really went off the rails, but in a way that I think can work. Like and subscribe. This has been an Earwolf production. Executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.